Stephen. When is Stephen not here? I, I always appreciate that you introduce me because it gives me a chance to just kind of, you know, ramble off the top here. But when am I not here? There has been a podcast or two that where I have introduced our guests first, and then you go off on how I did not introduce you. Um, so are you just saying that I'd like to kind of push back at you no matter how you start these things? Yes. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Carry on. So before we introduce our guest, Stephen, guess what this episode marks? What is this episode mark? Year three of the podcast. Year three. Holy crap. Really? It's the start of year three. This is season three, episode one. Do we have to start wearing semi-monochromatic color tones and getting our faces sucked off? I will happily suck your face off. <laughs> and that is one of our guests, Russell. When somebody loved me, everything was wonderful. All the hours we spent together, Russell sucking my face. Danny, we need to do an episode that's just you and me talking Star Trek uh, and then not invite Steven. And then he will have not been there for an episode. That's very true. That's something we should consider. Discovery season finale is coming up. Like we can, we can make it happen. And Picard season two. It's true. A lot going on. And Katie. Hi. Happy to be here. If this is year three, it means we're all teenagers now. It means we've got hormones and, you know, yeah. <laughs> So more year till we get to stare at all the bobatons. <laughs> okay, so all right, so that's a note I have today on the episode. We're going to be discussing the HBO Max 20th anniversary of the Harry Potter film franchise special that was just released on HBO Max. We're not going to go like plot points here, like Danny and I have for the movies. So um, it's not necessarily going to be spoilery, but nevertheless, a spoiler alert here because we will be discussing various anecdotes or things that came up or um, so, yeah, that's that's what we're going to be discussing today. Why don't we before we dive into the special itself, as the special talked a lot about the actors and actresses and producers and directors Harry Potter origin story. Why don't we go back and talk about our own? So why don't we start, Katie, with you? And I know you've shared this before in an episode. So listeners, if you are familiar, um, be prepared for a fun story you get to revisit, much like Harry Potter. If you're not familiar, feel free to subscribe and download um, to Create a Magic Podcast and all of our incredible library of now two full years worth of episodes. First of all, congratulations, because this podcast is incredible and you should absolutely go subscribe and download and re-listen for the past two years worth of podcast. It's fantastic. I'm just, I'm super proud of you guys. Um, and uh, as far as my origin story, I don't have superpowers. This is, I don't know why I think of that. When I think of origin story. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, this is I, supposed to be the short version. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> So um, I've been a Harry Potter fan and involved in the Harry Potter community my entire life since about the age of 11, which is basically Harry Potter's age. And I have been traveling the world for every Harry Potter related event, uh, every uh, Harry Potter convention and, you know, theme park. And also around the world to different um, Harry Potter filming locations. And of course, the Warner Brothers Studio Tour in London multiple times. Uh, I am a cosplayer. I am a writer and all around. I just love this fandom. I love everyone in it. Love all the friends I've made throughout the years. 
I started with the books uh, before the movies were even out. And my sister got me into it and we became closer because of it. And that's the short version. Well, speaking of friends you've made during your journey as a Harry Potter fan, Russell, what is your Harry Potter story? Hi. Uh, yeah. So I, I started reading the books uh, with my family. It was kind of a bonding experience between my sister and my mom and I and my younger brothers uh, kind of got involved later on. They were much younger. Uh, and then, you know, going to the movies to see these films um, was actually a real treat. Our family wasn't super well off. So like going to the movie was this really special thing going to the theater. And we we went for every single one of the Harry Potter movies. It was just something that we did together as a as a group. And so it was this it was this cool kind of bonding moment throughout my childhood that I remember. Um, but I was never like a huge follow every single moment of the films uh, for, for this. Like I enjoyed the films when they came out. I talked about them with friends. I really enjoyed, but I was never really a part of the community until much later in life. Well, I'll cheat here. And much like the Supreme court counts an entity as a sole person. Um, in addition to your own respective Harry Potter stories, you of course have one as a couple as well. Would you guys care to share that? Sure. I mean, I can say it. it's just how we met was a Harry Potter story. Um, we both met, at an Harry Potter event, which is kind of a, a dream in a weird way. We both were not looking necessarily for a relationship, but we attended the Harry Potter Wizards Unite game. Uh, fan that festival. Fan festival, yes, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Of which we now know there will be only one because yes. Wizards Unite will be uh, will be closing its doors <laughs> in a month. I'm devastated. I can't even tell you how devastated I am that this is this is the end at the end of January, the game will no longer exist. Uh, but it has been an amazing uh, couple years uh, with this game and it's changed our lives and it's changed a lot of people's lives. Honestly, it's gotten so many people out and about just like Pokemon go. And uh, I'm sad to see it go, but I'm happy that we met because of it. Esteemed glorious co-host of mine as we enter our third year of podcasting with this magical episode. Care to share with listeners your Harry Potter origin story? My origin story is that I had a friend in seventh grade, I believe, and her and I shared a lot of books and she shared the Harry Potter books with me. It was before book three was out, I think. I like watching the reunion. I had like memories that I forgot about this. I remember them announcing the movie and the casting for it. Like I remember being on the very slow internet and searching all the information because we had received that information that they were open casting calls and everything. And in the U S you're just like, why don't I live in London? Why do I live in the wrong country? But I started with the books, obviously got into the movies and ended up a huge fan where I met a bunch of friends and now I'm pretty active in the community. What about you, Steven? I don't get like a esteemed glorious. I don't get any sort of prefix. It's just Steven. Okay. Fair enough. My Harry Potter origin story. I um, came into the books at a classic book fair at my elementary school in uh, West Orange, New Jersey. And then yeah, I have kind of various memories of seeing the movies with my with my grandparents, my parents, um, sneaking away from a summer camp to see the final movie. And then there's a bit of a gap, almost, you know, seven, seven years. Yeah, seven year gap there um, as I went to college and kind of just did my own thing and then discovered 
the Harry Potter fan community um, at Celebration Harry Potter in 2018 in, in Orlando, Florida, um, an event that, uh, you know, irrevocably altered, I think, all of our lives in terms of the people we know and the way we spend our time and where we spend our, our collective emotional, uh, you know, energy. So yeah, that was, uh, that was it. That was it. And now this is where we're at. Harry Potter events change lives. Why don't we have some initial reactions to the reunion and how you guys felt watching it? I have mixed emotions. Like it, it was overall an emotional journey. And that is exactly, you know, what I expected. But I also expected maybe a little bit more. The way they were advertising it, it just sounded like maybe there would be a big new announcement or maybe there would be some extended scenes that we've never seen before that were cut or, you know, something, I don't know, something super new and unexpected. But overall, it was still an incredible emotional journey. I cried several times. Um, and I definitely appreciated some of the inside stories from the cast that we had never heard before. I just think, I mean, I know there was one commercial that we saw before watching this that Daniel Radcliffe is like, Oh, you know, we thought Harry Potter ended, but you know, there's, there's so much more or something like that. So I did, I did find that interesting. We, there's this brief mention between Radcliffe and and Rupert Grint at the end where they they very briefly mentioned the Broadway performance and uh, Fantastic Beasts but like that's it that's yeah. that's all you get for current Wizarding World stuff everything else is very much you know kind of a look back which you would expect the majority of this to be but like it's wild that there's active Wizarding World stuff happening and just very little mention of it in this in this retrospective I think overall I found I think I found a lot of it to be kind of milk toast. Like it was, it was really kind of, you know, it was designed to be very emotional. So people who oh, yeah. know these actors and, and, you know, like care deeply about these people um, there, there are these, you know, kind of, there, there are a ton of these like emotional heartstring moments, but I, I don't know. I feel like I was kind of hoping for, you know, a, a random cutscene or two that we had never seen before, or like, you know, something to kind of, you know, this, this kind of like surprise hook, that's not to say that there weren't some real bright spots. There are there some were. amazing like comedic moments that I really got a kick out of, um, which I'm sure we'll dive into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um, I, I think for some reason I, I was expecting a little more. Yeah, I, I definitely, I had a goosebump counter going on my page of notes here and I got to at least five or six. The unofficial tier counter was around two, I believe. Yeah. I thought, I thought overall it was, you know, feeding such a bad, I'm sorry. I'm one of them. I'm not fans. I am talking about me here too. It was feeding slop to the pigs, right? It was, it was giving us something to, to be happy about and, and start our year off on a positive note in the Potter world with, and they hope to God that carries on on April 15th and, and beyond, right? Like it, it was, it was, you know, happy, feely, touchy, uh, special with nothing new, which maybe there was something on the cutting room floor that for whatever reason, HBO Max kind of kept their powder dry on. You know, without diving too deep in here, I, the one thing I was really curious about going in and found interesting how they did this was the decision to include JKR's voice in the special but through a very clearly denoted prior interview that they had cut and inserted. And 
don't know. We don't have to, we don't got to, you know, harp on this for too long, but I thought it was interesting to make the decision. Someone made the decision, whether it was she or HBO max or who to not include her present day voice. We got, uh, there's actually a quote from her publicist, uh, oh. her, her PR rep just before it came out two days ago, I think, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, the determination was made that the previous recordings were enough and she did not feel, uh, the, the PR team as a whole did not feel as though she needed to participate in this. It was like more or less the official quote associated with, you know, questions asked from the press about why she wasn't more involved. Yeah, which is then bizarre because I feel like not including her would have made it less noticeable to me than putting past interviews where it very clearly said in the corner of the screen, this is taken from an old, like, I don't know. I thought that was interesting, but clearly Especially there was a, all of the cast and everything who had something to say about her overwhelmingly positive right like there's there's no mention at all of, of current events or anything like that there you know it's all you know these warm memories of interacting with her 20 years ago right um but that was kind of the point of this it was a sure, yeah. 20 year celebration so i don't see that they would have dove into that just because the point of this special was to celebrate 20 years and look back on the positivity it has brought forth. yeah I, I, I suppose there's probably just to put a button on this, because Lord knows we don't need to continue on this topic for the rest of the conversation. But I suppose the Warner Brothers, HBO Max could have said to the cast, hey, guys, like you could mention her in passing, but let's not make her like kind of. The... But clearly that didn't seem to be the case. It was to, to Russell's point. Everyone who talked about her talked glowingly. There was anywho. I just found that interesting. It was it was something that every time you know they kind of buried her in the beginning. And I thought, OK, well, we have another hour 20 and she'll be and we'll forget she was there by the end. But then they brought her back at the end which I thought was odd. Danny, what did you think? Things like this are the reason that I enjoy attending panels at conventions is kind of, you get to like peek behind the curtain. And we had talked about it before we started recording, but like things like the motivation behind uh, Jason Isaacs and his portrayal of Lucius. And I just love seeing those stories that have created this other story and what led to decisions that were made. Yeah, I agree. And that like, it's such a cute anecdote uh, that, that he really hated the notion of being a a villain for this and hating it so much was what made him perfect for the role. Like that, that tickles me to no end. Like, but now I also cannot stop trying to picture him in Lockhart's outfit because that's what he wanted. (laughs) So we got a lot of notable stories during this special. I'll just list off a few here. Emma Watson wanted to cuddle a dead hamster. <laughs> Helena Bottom Carter. All I'm saying is Dan and I clearly have very similar sexual preferences. I, point me to a 16-year-old, regardless of gender, who did not have the hots for Helena Bonham Carter 20 years ago. True. They don't <laughs> exist. What else occurred? There was a bizarrely homophobic uh, flashback of Robbie Coltrane doing a very effeminate voice, which I didn't love. Regardless, there were a lot of notable scenes and stories that came out of this special. Were there any favorites? Was there anything that stood out? I was like, okay, that was like really cool. I love that. Uh, Katie, we'll start with you. There were so many. I don't even know where to begin, but I, I think getting the, I would say Emma slash Tom slash Hermione slash Draco, like just dreams come true. I mean, there were so many mentions and uh, quotes in this 
of how much they love each other and how they are just close friends and just have been since they were kids. And it was just the cutest. And it just made my heart. The fandom is going to take this and skyrocket to the moon about hidden relationships between the two of them. It couldn't have been more obvious to me that Felton looked at her and was like, cool, you're my little sister. (laughs) And like had that, that kind of little sister, like love and appreciation because you like, you have to understand as a 12 year old, someone who is two years younger than you is a lot. Like it's, it's a lot, a lot. And so to have that kind of burned in your brain from an early age, like that's tough. Like that, that's not the same thing. Yeah. But the smile that Emma Watson gave when she said, that's all I'm going to say about that. They, I I mean, it was made very clear that she was very interested in him. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I very seriously doubt that he returned those affections. I mean, I think, I think it, I don't know. All I'm saying is she made a point of telling the story about how he drew God as a woman with a backwards hat on like a longboard. And like, wasn't it like two years ago that they were like on vacation together and she was riding a longboard with a backwards hat? I think it was longer than two years ago, but yes, that did totally happen. They were teasing the fandom. There was was a lot more than teasing going on. (laughs) They've definitely been spending a lot of time together and they're close friends. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, really, there were plenty of other moments besides that that were my favorite. I love the dedication to everyone who has passed since in these really 20 well years. Done. That was, I cried. I definitely cried. And uh, I, I loved, you made a funny point. You were like, who else on this planet other than Rupert Grint can say that their very first dance partner was Maggie Smith. <laughs> There's exactly one 14 year old yes. on the planet who can say that their first dance partner was Maggie Smith, which is just amazing. There was like a little bit of an extra cut scene there that we had never seen um, of them dancing together. And I thought that was adorable. I just, I was looking for every moment uh, where we like a scene that we hadn't seen before from, from, you know, extras or, extra DVD things. And yeah, that was, was well, they referenced a much longer fight between they did uh, Snape and Voldemort. I wanted to no, Oh, it would no, 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 Bellatrix Bellatrix and and, Sirius. They mentioned an extended, like full on wand battle between Bellatrix and Sirius. And I want to see it. Where is this? I wish they had shown something from that because that was teasing us, but now we know it exists. Danny, what stood out for you? I really loved how they introed it. Like where you just see them like in different places and then like the letter appear and just how like you kind of went through this like memory lane of these sites as everyone was like joining back up. And I just, I thought it was just very beautifully uh, videoed. I loved the Hogwarts letter that said stuck in traffic. (laughs) (laughs) That was the address. I love that everyone else opens the letter and is like, oh man, this is like, this is like, I I get to go back. This is so cool. And Robbie Coltrane opens the letter and the look on his face is almost like, this has been coming for me for a long time. (laughs) 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 We, we get uh, Helena and she's just like, yeah, all right. (laughs) What about you, Steven? I, I mean, to echo Katie, so many things, I guess a couple of different lines that I loved. Chris, so two things. This is bookends of the same point here. Chris Columbus saying he had that twinkle in his eye, which made him the perfect Dumbledore. And Michael Gambon not being part of the special were just two of the best things to come out of the special for me. 
Um, I loved Chris Columbus and Dan talking. Chris Columbus says, you know, the whole movie is very storybook. Welcome to Hogwarts until you get to the end. And then Dan says, and I melt a man's face. Cause like we've joked about that and everyone's joked about yeah. that forever. And it just, that was just very funny. I loved that. Um, I loved watching Ray Fiennes like sink into Voldemort as he was talking. Right. And demonstrating how like, cause he already has a, I mean, like, I see him in anything, whether it's the Kingsman, whether it's Bond, whether it's Budapest or like anything, I'm like, okay, well, he's going to be the guy who is the villain at the end of this, obviously. Um, but watching him just do like the subtle contortions, right. To all of a sudden his face just gets like 5% colder. And then the, the shoulder, it, the whole thing was just terrifying in the best way. Um, and then I just loved, I mean, a lot's been made about it over the years. So it, it, it wasn't anything new, but you know, I love seeing Dan's adoration and respect, particularly for, you know, Gary Oldman and Helena Bonham Carter. Like it just, they, it was so evident. I mean, and as they talked about in the special and as countless interviews have covered over the years, like the way that he like revered the ground they walked on and seemingly picked up so much in his relationship with them. Didn't pick up as much as he wanted with Helena, but you know, he tried. Um, that was just really, really cool. Um, and really, really sweet to see. So that's what stood out for me. I think Helena also just brought her a game she was so ready for this that entire every moment helena bonner connor was on screen during this was a plus material she's so silly and so irreverent and at the same she time brought so teeth. she brought her she teeth. she brought her she starts wandering around places that i don't think the cast like the whoever recorded this expected her to go like when she's wandering around gringotts and went oh no they're back here like it was just so she's like did anyone me. feed them she was talking about the Gringotts goblins. They were just shoved in the corner. <laughs> Every moment she was on screen was just amazing. Oh, I definitely cringed though when she put those teeth back in her mouth. Oh, especially he's like, did you wash them? <laughs> She's like, eh, they smell. That's fine. <laughs> I'm curious if any of y'all felt something like what was missing? And 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 missing, I mean, maybe whether it was because so for example when they started setting up the way they did the special with chapters right chapter one stone and chamber chapter two azkaban and goblet chapter three uh the two that come after that order and half blood right and then the final right it felt like they were going to talk about a lot of the big transitions because that that's kind of how they set it up was tonally a lot of the transitions that the 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 plot direction of the movies took so like, I thought we were going to get some sort of conversation about going from Richard Harris to Michael Gambon. It felt very odd that Imelda Staunton and Umbridge wasn't addressed given her presence in the film, like things like that. Yeah. Was there anything that y'all like, okay, like, like um, Emma Thompson was not there. Imelda Stanton wasn't there. We didn't Maggie get Smith. Maggie Smith. Like I really wanted Maggie Smith. Um, uh, I also have to through at it through the lens of this was filmed during COVID and some of them may, it may have been more of a risk for them to like Maggie Smith for one with her age, a little more riskier. Well, and I think she also probably had, if, if my timeline is correct, kind of mentally on this, I, she probably would have just finished uh, doing all of the shoots for yeah. the upcoming movie uh, mm. for, um, for Downton. For Downton. Downton. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chris Rankin not being involved surprised me. That was Very weird. He, he is, well, I know like he just did the big music thing, so I don't know if that was 
Right. Just but bad Warwick timing. Davis, Warwick Davis is at every single event. He's in the UK. He never misses anything. That was odd. Here's a question, something that had been bopping around on social media as stills and the trailer got released. And seeing as we have our, our local tech expert on, on the episode here today, when the images of the Golden Trio came out from the Gryffindor common room and then the trailer came out, there was a lot of conversation about if all three were in fact in the room or if one or more had zoomed in, right, and were virtual. I kept trying to listen, particularly to Rupert's voice, because it sounded like the audio was slightly different quality. I'm curious just if you noticed anything with your, you know, advanced technological eye, dear Russell. No. So to be clear, this is now, we, we've now watched it twice here uh, by the time that you're listening to this. Um, and I think that's honestly just Rupert's voice. Like the microphones aren't obviously pinned on their lapels in any place. I think they're probably using boom mics for it. And I think he's just generally a softer spoken individual. Um, but yeah, they, they, I mean, they, as far as I could tell, they were all very clearly in the common room. I mean, Daniel was for sure there. You can tell and see all the behind the scenes things of, of him, them filming him there. And Emma was too, with all of that. The only person we didn't see running around in any other scenes was Rupert. But there was are- Was he not people. in the Burroughs scene? Or that was everyone was else? Not in the no, scene. Oh, right. not. Which is He's- odd. The only two he was in was the interview with just him and Emma- and the interview with the trio. And then a little bit by himself. Yeah. Um, which is also interesting. Uh, you pointed this out just before we started recording. There are a lot of commercials that have started coming out today that are of them uh, is individuals saying things on the bridge. Outside. Um, outside. In the studio tour. Uh, that are not included in this. Like, And it's, yeah. it's actually them commenting on the experience of having recorded the, the special. So I don't think it's that weird, but it was really interesting that there are these other bits that are just in the ads uh, that are that are them talking about this experience uh, in a completely different but location and, and wasn't entirely in individually. And I don't think Rupert was. No, he was not. You know, I will say to that end, at least I know Tom had posted some story update a couple months ago of his car parked at Leavesden, which I would assume. And, you know, yeah. looking back was him filming this. They kept this thing, I mean, aside from the promotion of it, like there wasn't a lot of leaking of like, oh, I hear so-and-so is that leaves in today. Like this was really well, really well done from that standpoint. I mean, so if you time that out, right, I think that was four months ago that Felton posted the picture of him in Leavesden. Um, so a lot of the UK is on pretty hefty lockdown at that point. Um, so it, there's just a lot fewer people around to see them. Um, and the studio tour staff, um, I'm sure we're kept to a skeleton crew uh, on those and days. With COVID, it's very easy to be like, hey, we're closing to the day to clean out the building yeah, and that yeah. not be a, like, you, and people will be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. We're in the middle of all this. They right. need to clean the building. Yeah. Not well, going to question them shutting it they down. They could have closed that well in advance. They could have just put it up on the calendar on the on yeah. the studio tour page and just been like, mm-hmm. this Sunday it's closed. Um, so yeah, I I feel like, it was probably easier this year to hide the special being recorded uh, than just about any other time. I found it interesting that they made so many changes though. If you look at it, you know, there's a special floor that was put in with the 20th anniversary logo. There were chandeliers, like real chandeliers hung in the great hall, which aren't normally there. Um, There were a lot of part of it. Base. I have not been to the studio tour that Stephen likes to remind me regularly. But based on the things I've seen, the lighting isn't great in that in the, those spaces. That if you're filming something, you need to add lighting and make it look the part. Right. So like 
from a lighting standpoint as a former lighting designer, like that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick question for you, because you've actually been there. Was the floor actually new and put in or was it projected? Well, they were dancing on it. It looked like it was put in because there was a whole dance crew okay. that were dancing around it and on it. Well, they so, may have put in a dance floor to protect it. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up, though, because that brings up something I want to talk about. I was so proud of the restraint that the film team showed during that opening montage when the Bobaton dancers during that that modern ball thing they showed in the intro when Emma walks in the great hall, when they do the, ah, but they don't do their gratuitous ass shot. And I wrote that down, no gratuitous booty. And then sure enough, like 20 minutes later, they show the scene from Godwin it. where it's there. When they're talking because about Dan the comments about how these people, they brought in beautiful people on purpose around children who are teenagers. Yeah, that was, that was just, <laughs> it, like the, it, it was another example of like, it felt like they were going to do the right thing here, right? Like, again, let's bury JKR in the beginning and then forget about it, right? But then they bring her back. They're going to show the Bobaton dancers. They're not going to show the ass shot. But then 20 minutes later, they show the ass. It's like, okay, we're just... I think it's honestly a great way of showing the way that scenes get built today versus 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. I think, you know, I fully agree with you. Like, it is gratuitous uh, and weirder now that we are in our 30s. And these are very clearly images. I'm sorry. Our- I'm sorry. What age bracket are we in? <laughs> yeah, we're going to pass on that one. Okay. Because um, some of us are not yet in our 30s. Some of us, all the, the single day, ladies out there, I'm still in my 20s. The day you uh, the day you hit 30 is going to be a fun one for you and I. Let me, uh, let me tell you. <laughs> These are still kids though. That's what that your right. is your point. Yeah, I I it's you know it's obviously very different looking at it now than than we did when we first saw them. Um but yeah, I, I think honestly that that just demonstrates the way that we build scenes and shots is just very different now in 2021. Like even them like talking back about the candles falling, which we've all heard that story, but then like having that memory of them like yeah, today that wouldn't have been a thing. We wouldn't have had real candles on fire hanging from fishing wire dropping from the ceiling this is actually that comment was actually super interesting to me because it comes on the heels of the most recent spider-man movie uh where it was discussed that the actor playing doc ock uh in spider-man no way home has come back uh from having portrayed this role 16 years ago and 16 years ago his octopus tentacle things were individual puppets that were run by other people and he talked about how much nicer it was to do it now when it was all cg around him and he was able to, to kind of move a lot more freely and, and, you know, kind of not feel this, this immense responsibility of having all of these puppets around him. It's really interesting to hear actors talk about how things are shot now versus how they were shot 15, 20 years ago. And some of them deeply appreciate the authenticity of these, these creations from back then and others like really was... appreciate the, 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 you know, kind of more modern approach. Right. And Helena and Robbie Coltrane both commented about how back then the studio was just leaky and, and not soundproof and just, it was there and they worked around it, but they loved it. And it's changed so much now it is, you know, a tourist attraction and also still filming studios that are super professional. Yeah, I will say one of the interesting things, speaking about this, talking about leaves then kind of just trigger this in my head, talking about who wasn't there on the, you know, on the con circuit, Devin Murray talks a lot about how they used to go through all the old like World War II, like aircraft hangar, like shafts and various kind of alleyways, right? As they were kids during Stone and Chamber. 
It's like that feels like the type of story that like would have a hundred percent made this special, right? Talking about them growing up on set and all that, you know, lovely nonsense. Um, that was interesting. Um, we got a little bit of that with the hamster. That was yeah, that was weird. Boy, that was odd. Um, so I, I'm curious, maybe as we begin to wrap up this conversation here, we sit at the beginning of 2022 with the continuation of fantastic beasts on our horizon in the next four or five months. We're sitting just behind us now with not only this special, but the, uh, the Harry Potter quiz show that took place on HBO max and, and other uh, Warner media entities as well. Let's put some predictions on the board. Where do y'all feel the Harry Potter franchise, never mind fantastic beasts, but the Harry Potter piece of the franchise is headed in 2022 and beyond. I have no doubt that we are going to get a cursed child movie. I, I truly believe maybe not this year, but soon. I, I think it is At the very least the announcement. for it. Right. Are absolutely. you thinking a movie or a filmed version of the show? No, I I'm thinking a movie. I'm thinking a full production movie. Do you think as has been reported by various very shoddy reporting interviews in the recent years, the golden trio and or others will uh, uh, assume their roles for that cursed child uh, movie production. I don't, I, I mean, I, I wish I could be hopeful about that, but they have come back to celebrate this anniversary. And I think that was part of maybe their contract for doing this that they would be let go and be done with it from now on. Uh, I think Rupert made it very clear that he was more interested in being a father now. I mean, he said, you know, he's grown up. They've all grown up. He's got a child now to look after. And I don't know. I mean, Emma has never really been involved or wanted to be involved in anything Harry Potter throughout the years since being done film filming. Um, she just kind of has her own agenda. I I think Dan might. He's the only one I could see actually being interested in it um, just because he's got, you know, he's got so much invested in continuing films and shows and, and so much um, that he just thinks it's fun. So I think he'd be the only one maybe. I think Tom Felton would consider it. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I think Tom Felton over Daniel Radcliffe. I think really, really, if you could get Tom, Tom and Dan to sign on, Emma That's might kind of all <laughs> Emma might follow because of Tom. Mm. <laughs> she she has she has her own that. mind. She's not following because of some boy. She's making the decision for herself. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the visual decisions that were made in Cursed Child, they could very easily cast another person to play that actress. Oh yeah, uh, to play that role. So yeah, I you know yeah, I think if if Tom and Daniel were on board, that that would be enough for them to go forward with it. I think they'll go forward with it. Either way. That's certainly possible. They did make that same threat with Matrix 4. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't know so much about movies or, or, you know, kind of a series or anything like that. I know that those often get talked about a lot. I think there's going to be a lot more in the way of Harry Potter specific experiences. You see a lot talked about Epic Universe uh, in Orlando and the kind of expansion thereof and how that's going to expand. There's been a lot of talk about when or if or how Diagon Alley would come to the California park. Um, we've seen a lot of change in the last year with the studio tour in, uh, Hollywood, 
um, and kind of a, a continued growth of the studio tour in London. Um, in the New York. And the New York store, you know, kind of expanding the way that it has. The, what we've seen this year in particular in 2021 has been this kind of growth of experiences, Harry Potter, where fans can go and do a thing. And I think that we're going to see a lot more of that, especially with Fantastic Beasts, the big uh, museum exhibit coming to Philadelphia. You know, And that will I, be a traveling exhibit. It just started. Exactly, yeah. It's starting so in Philadelphia. I feel like we're going to see a lot more stuff for Potter fans to travel and do in, in 2022. But not like something on TV. And less about kind of new things for them, them to watch outside of Fantastic Beasts. You don't think there will be any more quiz shows? or? Oh, for heaven's sake, I hope not. <laughs> what about you? I think eventually, like, Lord of the Rings also hit their 20th movie year this year. And we have the long form show coming out on Amazon Prime. I don't see that happening this year. I still think it's quite a few years down the line, but I do think that that's going to start looking to become a thing is to make the long form television show of the books, just because that type of serialization of books has become so popular and trying to not appease, but like please the book readers to get like, we, we just had, um, what's the one Amazon just put out. Wheel of Time series is out now. Netflix did Shadow and Bone. Like there's just, there's a lot of want right now for long form fantasy television series. Everyone's kind of hunting for the next Game of Thrones, right? Like that's yes. the thing. I, I just don't think we're at the time yet that people, we talk about wanting it, but I don't think it's the right time to want it because we're still in this golden age of we love the cast that we have. Yeah. I think that's right. I'm curious what you think the quality would be. Depends on I mean, if you take up. a look at, you yeah. haven't seen Wheel of Time yet, but you think mm-hmm. about the stuff that Netflix has done with The Witcher yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of a, a lot of that stuff. Studios are capable of making super high quality television now. Like mm-hmm. that, that I'm, I'm less and concerned. And better scripting. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting a lot of better effects for these type of series that are more magical in nature. Yeah, between like the wheel of time and the expanse and, and yep. a lot of these other like books made shows, like they're, they're good. It's like visually. Yeah. I mean, I've study is a strong word, but I've studied a lot kind of the business and commercial competitive strategy. When you look at entities like Marvel and DC and how they think about producing visual content, when you think about, you know, Disney versus universal and they're two very different uh, they're two very different rivalries, for lack of a better word, but they're two very strong blueprints to think about how Warner Media can and should start developing more Potter content. And I think, you know, kind of following up on this long form fantasy content, I think Warner Media has to emulate Disney here and what Disney's done. I know it's pissed off a lot of Star Wars originalists, right? But and purists, but. I think the, prolifer- the proliferation of Star Wars content has boosted Disney Plus's streaming numbers and has, has really been at the forefront of Disney's kind of digital transformative push you know, for this next decade and beyond. And I think with Warner Media, they have to do the same with, with the Harry Potter franchise. And we've talked about this in this podcast so many times, right? You can do a core series, right? Do a long form you know, Game of Thrones-esque thing, but then you can do so many cool spinoffs, right? And you can do spinoffs that are dictated more towards children. You can do spinoffs that are super artsy and like very, you know, esoteric, right? You can do, you know, there, I mean, 
there truly are seemingly limitless possibilities with the characters, the world, and and the IP. Um, and so I, I, you know, instead of doing a, you know, what DC's finally done, which is not go head to head with Marvel, but do their own thing. I think Warner Media's best bet is to try to emulate Disney here as much as possible and to take the same formula and try to replicate it with Potter. Do you think we'll get like a cartoon version ever? Well, Star Wars and Star Trek have both gone cartoon versions of things. And like Lower Decks is literally like the background characters of the main show. And they're hilarious. Like every single one of them. The the animated series that have come from these kind of expanded universe shows, they're all great. You think we can get like a Marauders animated series? <laughs> Do we want I don't that? think the Mar- Marauders story is necessarily, I don't know. It just depends. It depends on what age range they're going for because like Prodigy on the Star Trek side was aimed as a kid's show. I completely love it. Yeah, but it's very clearly targeted to like 10 to 15. Yes, it's very targeted to that, but it's great and very well done and very enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, like nobody's hiring me to come up with ideas for shows for very good reason. But like, you know, create a, create a, you know, a creature centric preschool where kids get to interact every day with fantastic beasts. Right. And then you've got your animated kid show, right. Everyone and their mothers talk about this, create a, a horror procedural, right. Where it's like a gritty ors fighting. Right? Like Exactly. You could do so many different things that I think could create a whole universe of different types of content for different audiences, all within the Potter realm. I, I love that idea so much better than what just popped in my head. Cause if they are following the Disney thing right now, Disney is doing backstories of all the villains. And I really don't want a Tom Riddle backstory, you know, show. I don't know. But that could absolutely be. Yeah. And like, I think at this point with Fantastic Beasts, and I think you're probably right, potentially in the next two to three years, a Cursed Child movie reformatting. I think we're kind of covered on the movie front. Right. So if you look at what they did with Star Wars, there were Star Wars movies once Lucasfilm was purchased that kind of allowed Disney to put their stamp on Star Wars for better or for worse. Then movie stopped, movies paused and TV shows galore. Right. Warner could do this in reverse. Right. We're all kind of good with the movies right now, mainly because the cast is still young enough and still so present in our minds and in our in our hearts that maybe we're not dying for more movies. And Fantastic Beast is unfortunately kind of covering that space give us a bunch of different shows for the next three to four years. At that point, Fantastic Beasts will either have rebounded and been the best thing since sliced bread, or will most likely Peter and kind of, you know, die out. But then you'll have all these characters that work super well on TV and you know what works and what doesn't. And you can spin one of those, develop one of those into a future production. Adam Driver can play young Snape and we can all go home happy. I'm here for that. I, I had I'm here for an Adam Driver Snape. I had two cups of coffee this morning. So, um, you know. As we begin to wrap up, what does the 20 years of Harry Potter mean to each of you? It's like seeing my life flash before my eyes. <laughs> Every memory or story that was told through this 20 year anniversary film that they have put out now, it just reminded me of where I was when they were talking about it. So they would show, you know, images of the fans all lined up at the Deathly Hollows Part 2 London premiere. I was there. I'm just, I'm, and I had all of these memories flood back in or of the various 
stories that they tell for each movie. And I'm just like, oh, wow, I went to the midnight showing in this location and I met this friend here and I met these friends here and I was traveling to London at that moment or, you know, and showing uh, the book releases, showing, you know, just all of these like behind the scenes stories that I remember watching from like different moments of my life and obviously the the films coming out in different moments of my life. And it just, it really was, it was like rewatching my life story and my connection with Harry Potter. I think most of the cultural bright spots, uh, like pop culture bright spots in 2021 are these like crazy nostalgia infused thrill rides. And this is kind of the perfect cap to that. Um, and I like that the conversation that we've had so far has ended with like what new stuff is coming next. Cause I feel like that is desperately what needs to happen next. This is a really great cap on 20 years that will hopefully encourage a lot of people to kind of look forward to something and not continue to look back. Yeah. I, my favorite, some of my favorite emotions and beats throughout the special were when the cast were, were, were genuine and not asking the scripted questions that Casey Patterson off screen told them to ask, right? When Emma starts tearing up, when Rupert starts tearing up, when Dan is just going nuts with Helena or, or hugging Gary, like he's seeing his father for the first time in a decade, like, you know, and, and, and various, you know, Tom, various people talked about during the special, like the power that they know this work has had on the fans and their own lives and the meaning it has to them. I certainly don't begrudge anybody except for Michael Gammon for just doing a job and then going home. Right. That's at the end of the day, what it is. It's a job. It's a really damn cool job, but it's a job. But being able to, to see these people have such adulation and joy and emotion on their face. I won't go so far as to say it makes all the fandom that we do worth it, but it really kind of, I don't know. It was really nice to see. It was really, you know, that's how we feel about it. Right. Um, so that was, that was really cool. That hug between Emma Watson and Robbie Coltrane, like early on in the beginning mm-hmm. was probably the most like heartfelt group moment where it was like, Oh, this has just been genuinely a long time since these people have seen one another. And they're just really excited to be in the same place. And it, it almost sucks that there's a camera pointed at them because they just really want to kind of enjoy each other for a moment. And I'm sure they got plenty of time to do that off camera, but like that was a really cool thing to see. And just like they talked about like the power of story. And I think overall Harry Potter has had so much influence on the culture and individuals. And they had that whole moment of talking about like the people that related to the stories were the misfits that didn't quite fit in and kind of found themselves through the story. And like, I know that echoes a lot of like our stories along that with the series is that it was our safe place. It was where we kind of found ourselves and discovered who we were and where we went to when we needed an escape, but it also then led to all of us meeting each other this is where we found each other. We found our friendships. I did my 2021 recap and it's full of you guys. Like for not having really traveled in the last few years, I've done a lot and met up with a lot of people from this community where we've just become friends more than just, oh, we follow each other on Instagram and we're excited to see each other and to see what comes in the future with conventions and just meeting up and movies coming out and what we're going to do for those things. I love you guys (laughs) so much. 
as friends. <laughs> as friends. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we're going to say about that. <laughs> now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Well, I'm going to come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or expelled.